Canadians. As we know, inflation is stressing out a lot of Canadians, especially when they buy groceries, or certainly when they fill up their vehicles with gas. The FP Canada Financial Stress Index survey says money was the biggest stressor for 38% of respondents, more than two-thirds of you said that rising grocery prices are having a direct impact on their finance-related stress, and one-third say financial stress is leading to anxiety, depression, or mental health challenges. It is a big issue. So what lies ahead? Will it get any better? Will inflation continue to rise? Well, the outlook for our economy and others around the world is mixed at best, and inflation continues to be a huge problem. We heard it from Britain today. We heard it from Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary in the U.S. yesterday. The president of the World Bank says it will be hard for many countries to avoid recession. It's downgraded its outlook for the global economy to 2.9% from 4.1% as it had forecast just back in January. So what lies ahead for us? Joining me now is Pedro Antunes. He's the chief economist at the Conference Board of Canada. Thank you for your time tonight. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. I guess the, uh, you know, uh, maybe, uh, is there any good news out there about the economy? Because it all seems to be uh, relatively bleak these days. Well, uh, I think uh, a lot of the bleakness is coming from the fact that really uh, we have not seen inflation like this in in 30 years. And uh, we're starting to get a handle on uh, both in terms of households and businesses. And, and of course, uh, your forecasters like myself on really the devastating impacts that inflation is having and eating away at our capacity to to grow the economy and grow demand. So yeah, it's not a great news story. I I would say that certainly uh, to counter that a little bit, you know, we've had massive support through this pandemic. And, uh, you know, when we look at certainly households and businesses in Canada, they are in pretty good financial health. So hopefully we can weather the storm and, uh, and, and see some of those inflationary pressures come off. We saw a World Bank report yesterday that, that once again uh, showed that this is not a Canadian problem. This is a global issue. Uh, what's the World Bank seeing for, for the global economy right now? It was, it was shifting its forecast downwards. Well, definitely. I I think, uh, you know, early on, of course, we were looking for two solid years of recovery, again, coming off of that devastating impact that the pandemic had in 2020. Uh, So a rebound year. 2021 and still a lot of sectors in the economy uh, far from normal and and so further rebounding in 2022. But again, inflation is cutting those uh, forecasts and inflation started even before the war in Ukraine. We were seeing inflationary numbers and pressures ramp up through the second half of 2021. Of course, along comes this crazy war and, uh, you know, we just add even more uh, layer to that inflation. And that's essentially what we're all grappling with right now. Uh, the World Bank is telling us, yes, that uh, the global economy, instead of having a strong recovery year in the range of, you know, perhaps 4% this year, uh, they're downgrading that quite drastically for 2022. And the outlook now for 2023 is also rather weak, you know, with that global growth kind of in that 3% range, which is disappointing. And if I might add, I think uh, where the World Bank really has a good perspective is on the impact of, you know, essentially this inflation, this commodity price shock, and especially the impact of high food prices on developing economies, which they're telling us is going to be devastating. 
yeah, we're certainly seeing the impacts of, of these rising prices hitting those who can least afford it, uh, if you could pardon that expression. Uh, in terms of Canada, it's not exactly the same outlook, but we're seeing more people such as yourself weighing in with a lot of caution about where the Canadian economy might go in the next uh, 18 months as well. Yeah, I think uh, for for Canada, we need to understand, I guess, that first of all, we do not do a lot of trade directly, neither Canada nor the US uh, with Russia or Ukraine. Uh, so the implication here is really this price shock and how it's affecting our economies. Um, and so for Europe, for our trade partners, if you'd like, uh, for the US as well, uh, there's this inflationary impact that is eroding consumer spending and that recovery in, in consumer spending that we were uh, looking for, be it on, you know, on material goods or be it on services and travel and tourism, these these kinds of things. So that rebound is getting eroded. It's not as going to be as strong as what we had hoped for prior to this war. Uh, I think the other impact uh, that we need to consider for Canada, of course, is offsetting of that. And that is that when we look at the the uh, suite of products that Ukraine and Russia sell onto the world, they're very similar to what Canadian exporters and resource sector producers also export. So when we think about, you know, essentially grains, uh, oil seeds, um, and energy, uh, or, or add on to that uh, mineral resources, you know, all, these are all things that are seeing very strong price increases, and that benefits Canadian profits, exporters' profits and, and margins. So there's a slight offset there for Canada where we think the net impact really is kind of neutral. Um, Canada, not it's not going to post a huge rebound this year, but uh, the impact overall is relatively neutral for, for our economy. What about those sectors of the economy that you've already mentioned, such as travel and tourism, the hospitality sector and so forth? Are there still a lot of challenges for them because of what we're seeing? Well, definitely. Well, I think there's uh, twofold challenges. Uh, one, of course, on anything to do with uh, travel. Um, you know, again, that recovery that we were looking so forward to that's been a long time coming is going to be muted by the effects of very high gasoline prices. And, you know, gasoline prices have gone a further echelon up from oil prices because it's not just the demand for or the price of oil that's come up it's also the refinery the refining capacity that's essentially lack of investment over the last two years because of such weak demand that's caused another bottleneck there and so gasoline prices over and above uh the increases in, in oil prices and and that's going to have an impact on that segment uh, i think the other challenge is on uh, the labor side really we've seen across the board uh both in the us and in canada uh, you know, the capacity issues driven by essentially the economies rebounded, employment's rebounded, uh, employment in these sectors has lagged, and now they're having a lot of trouble getting people back into the into the workforce in those segments. Very, very tight labor market. So in some respects, we're really capacity constrained uh, and unable to meet the demand that we're seeing uh, that, it, that is coming. It certainly it strikes me as being, a, a, you know, not a typical sort of uh, economic situation that we're used to, at least haven't seen in a long time. For for average Canadians, whether they be shopping or or working, uh, what kind of impact is this having? Because it feels like we're you know, we're getting less for what we can spend. Um, the job market's still great if you're looking for something better paid. Uh, but realistically, a lot of Canadians find themselves in a pretty tough situation right now with these prices up so high. Yeah, I think it's... Uh 
you know, again, we've seen a, a lot of support through the pandemic. And so we've uh, actually seen our aggregate savings really do phenomenally well. We socked away uh, more in the last two years than we had in the 12 years prior. If you remember, our savings rates were really weak and we were concerned about how much debt households had taken on. Now, that doesn't mean that we didn't take on more debt uh, through this uh, crisis, especially real estate debt. We really took on a lot of mortgage debt through this. Uh, so the point here is that, yes, we'd socked away a lot, uh, but it's not all households that were able to sock away so much. It's typically people who are in higher income groups that weren't able to spend on travel and tourism. And so some segments of the economy of, of households, uh, you know, I think are really have the capacity and the wherewithal to continue spending. Uh, and we're seeing that happening both in Canada and the U.S. But of course, uh, you know, there are lower income households that, you know, the support programs were there, but now they're facing uh, the, you know, essentially the reality of those support programs coming to an end. On top of that, uh, food prices affecting lower income households more so than others because they spend a greater portion of their income on those basics. Uh, so obviously, food prices really eroding away at, uh, you know, at, at purchasing power more so for, for lower income households. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think, um, you know, the final situation is for all Canadians, we're going to see the pressures of higher interest rates really. I mean, you know, monetary policy and, you know, increasing interest rates to bring inflation back into uh, into check, that is just adding to, uh, you know, another hit to households in general. And, and obviously that will have an impact as well. Speaking with Pedro Antunes, he's the chief economist at the Conference Board of Canada. We're talking about some uh, gloomy economic outlook uh, outlooks re uh, released recently by the World Bank, both for the global economy uh, and some economists here as well, uh, looking ahead to the Canadian economy with a bit of trepidation. After this, we'll continue talking about interest rates because it's an interesting uh, balance that the Bank of Canada is trying to achieve here between trying to drive down inflation at the same time as trying not to drive the Canadian economy into a recession. And we'll get to that after this. I'm speaking with Pedro Antunes. He's the chief economist at the Conference Board of Canada. We're talking about uh, the economic outlook, both globally and for Canada, uh, specifically just the impact of high prices on most Canadians, the impact on the economic recovery of inflation that we haven't seen in decades. Um, Pedro, when you look at the, what the Bank of Canada is trying to do here, uh, certainly for Canadians who rely a lot, you know, who have household debt and so on, uh, the idea of interest rates being driven up is, is difficult. But if it works and drives prices back down, it might be accepted, but it's a delicate balance they're trying to achieve here. Well, uh, absolutely. I, I think, um, you know, for, for one, the bank is, uh, you know, only able to affect so much of this increase in inflation that we're feeling domestically. Um, you know, part of it, of course, is uh, what happened with global supply chains that we heard about early in 2020, or sorry, mid 2021 and on. Uh, and we're still hearing about in many respects. Uh, China's had some troubles with COVID recently. And so there's further concern around uh, supply chains being hampered there. Uh, add on to that a global commodity price increase, uh, especially uh, the, the increase in energy prices that will affect uh, our own prices here at home. Uh, and then finally, uh, you know, we've seen the 
domestic demand really quite strong. So the Canadian economy and demand for certain goods is very strong. Uh, and we're unable to, in some respects, to meet those demands because of a tight labor market and, you know, these uh, supply chain issues that we're hearing about uh, coming to us from, from essentially everywhere. So all of these challenges ramping up inflationary pressures, you know, we're seeing inflation in the 6 7% range in Canada, something we hadn't seen uh, for 30 years. Now, the challenge for the bank is going to be around inflation expectations. Yes, you know, we certainly at the conference board feel that we're going to see uh, inflation peak and then hopefully come back down. The concern is that if expectations are kind of set higher, then, you know, we're going to see wage, essentially, workers demand higher wages, and they're certainly in a good position to demand those uh, in terms of very tight labor markets, uh, you know, and and a lot of pressure on uh, employers. Um, And if that's the case, you know, it's fine to see higher wages for employees. But if the employee wages come up without productivity gains, then that just leads companies to hire, uh, to raise prices. And we get into that vicious cycle of, you know, essentially higher inflation settling into the economy uh, like we had in the late 1980s. That's what the bank is really grappling with and trying to avoid. And we really don't know if they're going to be successful at taming those inflation expectations. Certainly, the World Bank used the term stagflation. Again, that's something we haven't heard in many, many, many years. Uh, is there a sense here, uh, Petro, that that the old tools to try to drive down inflation, such as raising interest rates, uh, that maybe we need a new toolkit in, in, here because we're just facing a very different uh, set of circumstances than we have in the past? Well, again, this, uh, you know, it is global. So the toolkit that the Bank of Canada or essentially the government of Canada have are kind of limited in dealing with some of the pressures that we're talking about. But certainly, you know, you could critique a little bit that uh, the Bank of Canada is telling us that the economy is pretty much at capacity, is certainly in some sectors, we know that we're uh, beyond capacity. Um, and uh, that the neutral rate, that an, an interest rate that would not increase or decrease uh, the stimulus on the economy, the neutral rate as they define is somewhere between two and 3%. Well, we're still a fair ways from that neutral rate. So perhaps mon- monetary policy has lagged in terms of, you know, kind of being uh, at the forefront of where we should be uh, given the state of the economy. You could critique as well uh, the federal government where, you know, we're still running a, a of you know a deficit that's two percent of GDP or so in a situation and that's that's in the year coming in a situation where we are essentially at full employment the unemployment rate has never been uh, tighter in this country since uh, you know for over 30 30 or so years uh, in fact since 1976 if I could correct myself on that um, and you know you talk about other tools well I think you know the bank it really is limited in the set of tools that it has it can affect short-term rates. It's a very broad policy lever. It can affect short-term rates that it lends to the uh, to the chartered banks, and they in turn pass that on to uh, households and businesses. And through quantitative e- easing, it can have an impact, or quantitative tightening, I should say as well, can have an impact on longer-term yields. But essentially, interest rates is really all the bank can uh, can muster. Uh, now, it's been, I would say, very creative in the, in the last number of years since the financial crisis of 2007-2008. Uh, we've been very creative with our use of quantitative easing in the economy. I think we're learning a lot, uh, but the tools are, are what they are. They are limited in certain respect. Pedro Antunes, thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it. 
Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for, for calling on.